Well, Izzy, um, something that's also struck me over the last few weeks is uh, Tato Park is going to be no more, apparently. And uh, I've never been, but uh, we got a message on the social last night after posting what's coming up on today's show saying that you uh, think it's your favourite place in the world. I think that listener is a bit mistaken. I remember having to go on about three different school tours to Tato Park and none of them were... um, that striking maybe but maybe that was the sponsorship deal because I've only just found out that Tato Park is actually not owned by Tato Crisps yeah it was amazing when that came to light nobody nobody I, knew I was this. amazed I thought that everybody thought uh, that it was owned by Tato and then it turns out that it isn't and yeah uh, who, who, do we have any idea who the next owners are going to be or has that been decided yet well that's what the the articles have said that it should be decided in the next few weeks we think but it's the end of a decade long sponsorship like that is a long time that everyone's associated it with but you know Think about the next people who sponsor with them. They're going to be very lucky because that's going to be a very lucrative deal. And um, are the theme, the, the, the kind of the rides not crisp themed? They are. They are, and so they that's going whole, to be a difficult thing to manage. I'm pretty sure they have a museum that's crisp themed as well. And you get crisps at the end, that's the best part of the school tour. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, who takes over that and yeah, what happens with it. Imagine it was Walkers. Walkers would be, but, but then it's a Brit- yeah. British brand in yeah, Meath. No. Yeah, no, it, would, it wouldn't work out very well. There'd be some clause that they couldn't do that. But no, it would be funny. Well, I'd say, I'd say it'll be an interesting one. I don't think it'll be as iconic as Tato. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, another, not iconic thing, but I'm trying to create segues in my mind, but it doesn't really work all the time. Um, a big debate that's going on at the moment in rural communities, including in Meath, where Tato Park is based, is um, the reopening, the possible reopening of rural train stations, given that more people are working from home, blah, blah, blah turning them into greenways or just leaving them mm. alone. Um, what do you think, if you were to choose between the two, greenway or uh, reopening as a train track, what would you say? Oh, reopening, a hundred percent, 110%. I would love a train line somewhere near our house. Like, I know there is an old, old, old one. Now, I don't think that one would ever be considered to be reopened. I don't think there's any use for it. But I know they're looking, especially at the Western Rail Corridor, the one from Sligo to Limerick, when the Strategic Rail Review, I think they yeah. tried to price it, and they priced it originally at like $572 million to reopen. But then they have come back, and one of the ministers has said that it'll actually be $215 million to reopen. But that's a lot of... So that's just the reopening in itself, but there yeah. are train lines around this country that um, aren't used as much as they should be, and then you end up... The, the government ends up having to subsidise passengers, sometimes to the tune of €50 euro per passenger, €100 euro per passenger, mm. and so on and so forth. I'd be on the completely other side of the argument. No. There, there are sometimes, look, um, in commuting counties, Kildare, Meath, mm. Westmeath, whatever, there would be definitely merit in creating railway lines. But in the Western on the western seaboard let's say from Sligo down to Mm. Limerick or whatever greenways would be such a valuable asset because um, when you think of the possibility of now remote working the the, the right to request to to do remote working the fact that the government is um, creating remote working hubs in rural towns and villages it would be a great attraction for people to move to a rural town with their family if they could know that they could cycle in and out of town they wouldn't need a car they could cycle in and out of town to go to the remote working hub, that to go to the true. shop or whatever, um, it'll be much safer. Now, 
you're between two times or four times more likely to be actually to sustain a significant injury while cycling rather than in a car. But on a greenway, there won't be any motorised vehicles, so it'll be exceptionally safe with just pedestrians and Mm. cyclists. But let me put this to you, that imagine... Did you do geography in school, Tom? Uh, until junior set, I remember what an ordinance survey map is. Okay. I don't know what it is, but I n- remember the name. Okay, well, this... Okay. They they really want businesses to go to the west of Ireland to make it another viable port that is not just Dublin, that everywhere goes to the whole time that every MNC goes. So imagine there was a railway between Sligo and Limerick. Imagine the amount of businesses that could actually go to the west they could avail of you know, a favourable tax return or something like that. And they we could develop that part of Ireland more that needs it. Like, we're in college here. We do know that this part of Ireland needs a bit more development. But imagine as well the businesses that could be could sprout up because of the Greenway. I mean, it's been shown, let's say, with the Ackle Greenway, one of the first in the mm. country, out in uh, Ackle, Westport, Newport, around that area. The number of little coffee shops that spring up, the hotels along the route that people stay in um, there, and it would certainly fall into the um, what th- this European cycle route idea, which is called Eurovelo, um, and it encompasses 15 routes around the whole of Europe, mm. two of which are in Ireland. Uh, there's the one that goes from Europe from west to east, so Galway to Moscow. Yeah. So there's a Greenway being built from Goy oh, to Dublin wow. as part of that. And that will bring incredible, that would be a great resource for tourism, but also for work. I could be in Goy and I could cycle out to Oran Moore or the likes mm. um, or whatever. So you could, uh, both options bring uh, business to a local area, bring jobs. Yeah, just a different type of business. Different and it just depends. type of business. And also when you think of the, the climate catastrophe we're facing at the moment, um, trains are definitely a better option than planes or having everybody in cars. Mm. But what's even better is if people are living in rural areas and um, they just have a 20 kilometre greenway that lets them get to wherever they need most of the time. Let's say 80% of the time. The shop, work, church, whatever it is. Yeah. Anything that a rural community needs. Yeah, and it's much healthier. And it will keep people from leaving these rural communities. Mm. I know a lot around Galway are suffering with their young people leaving and just not coming back ever. They'll go then eventually to Dublin. But it'll be interesting to see. it. It's an ongoing discussion in a number of parts of the country. And Do you think either thing will happen or will they just leave it? I have a feeling they're just going to well, leave it. Well, this is the thing. It's one of these political issues that uh, county councillors and TDs are very wary of going near a subject like this because there will be people on both sides of the argument in a town. There will be a thousand people in favour of Greenway. There will be a thousand people in favour of reopening the train line and... Uh, a TD doesn't want to lose a thousand votes by siding with one yeah. over the other. So, uh, in some circumstances, I think there's a lot of yeah. kicking the can down the road. Because what I was reading articles back to 2013 about this when this, you know, started, and I don't see any progress along the lines, especially over in the West. Yeah, um, but it, the government is certainly committed to creating more greenways and that was highlighted in its um, in a strategic plan it released a few years ago when uh, Shane Ross was Minister for Transport um, and Sport a, a part of Project 2040 but at the same time there's also plans within that strategic plan to reopen train lines so it'll be interesting there are competing ends competing yeah. interests um, so we'll see what what happens there and um, what about this week <coughs> in history is you've been looking into what happened in the world this week I in have. history what, what, I'm what international today So I'm looking back to the 25th of February, 1964. Do you know who Cassius Clay is, Tom? Does that ring a bell? 
Um, CC. Like it sounds like something from Reading in the Years anyway. Yeah. But I'm guessing that by the date. Young Muhammad Ali knocks out Sonny Liston for his first world title. He was 22 years old at the time and he dethroned the heavyweight boxing champion. On the, on the seventh round, it was a technical knockout or something. So I'm not very afraid with boxing. I don't know, but that sounds like a really, really tight match and it sounds like the turning point for a young Muhammad Ali. Okay. Well, and this also is where the phrase float like a butterfly, sting like a bee comes from because he said it that he would do that before the match and that he would win and he predicted his win. There you go. Well, that's also confidence. Is it, yeah. it, it's just confidence rather than predicting a win, is it? Well, it's probably it's probably com- he manifested it, Tom. <laughs> Manifest. Manifested. That's the thing. Manifest, of course. So that was on the twenty fifth of February, yeah. nineteen sixty four. What else happened this week in history on on the global? On the global. Stage? So so I chose one sports one. Now I'm going to choose something for all the science fans out there. On the twenty eighth of February, nineteen fifty three. So a good while ago now, the chemical structure of DNA discovered by Watson and Crick. Um, they announced that they had determined the double helix structure for the molecule containing human genes. Okay, that's mad. And Watson and Crick, to the best of my recollection, from school science, yeah. were tr- in Trinity College. They, they were. were yeah, they were. Yeah, they were somewhere. I have to say, I dropped every science subject. So but I. But they were. Know. They were two of the most uh, well-known Irish kind of based not Irish based but yeah. scientists with Irish roots or yeah exactly Irish they had connection. Irish roots and then I think they travelled to England I think to do other research but imagine that I thought DNA the double helix was discovered a lot longer yeah a very momentous decision um, I've been looking into what's happened in uh, what happened in Ireland this mm. week in history uh, on February 26 2001 before I was born before you were born as well yeah yeah but it was yep. a big deal um, based on what I've seen on reading in the years um, the government opposed a temporary ban on the country's 120 livestock marts as the devastating food oh. and foot and mouth disease I was so born called. then Tom. you were that you were 2000 terrible. yeah and then strict procedures were implemented in airports around Ireland to keep the disease out of the country and then on the 27th, the day after um, there was an effort to prevent the foot and mouth disease by uh, cancelling the Six Nations match between Wales and Ireland also the government asked the Irish racing industry not to participate in Cheltenham and all greyhound meetings were also cancelled. What's amazing when I was researching that uh, was thinking back to how strange it must have been at the time to have that temporary restriction on so much. Yes. And then if you look at now, we went through t- two years of restrictions on that, uh, to, to that kind of magnitude. It was really big at the time. Yeah, when this whole thing in these past two years happened, I met a few of my mum's friends were chatting and they were like, oh, well, it's just like foot and mouth disease and that went after a while. We were all grand. So it's actually a very interesting comparison. Yeah, and then this Sunday, you can remember, um, February the 27th, in 2009, quite recently, just over a decade ago, the largest bank robbery in uh, the Republic of Ireland's oh. history took place uh, at the main Bank of Ireland branch, well, what mm-hmm. I see as the main Bank of Ireland branch uh, at College Green in Dublin. And it was one of a series of what was happening at the time called uh, Tiger Kidnappings. Do you know what they are? Something to do with the boom, I'm Something guessing. Something to do with the Celtic Tiger. Yeah, the Celtic Tiger. Is that not what it is, Tom? <laughs> I suppose, well, it's related to money in a way. I'm trying to think of a way to connect it. But essentially what they were, you're, you're close-ish. Okay. You're, you're, in, you're in a circle there and you're, it's at the centre. Anyway, um, it's when there are two separate crimes. So someone is kidnapped and then the kidnappers force the 
kidnappee, the kidnapped person, to commit a second crime oh. on their behalf. So it's two crimes in one. Um, and there, there was um, a junior bank employee, the 24-year-old Shane Travers, who was kidnapped along with his girlfriend and two others. Oh. He was made go into College Green where he worked um, and he was forced to remove. Now, this is baffling. Yeah. How, how, 7.6 million euro in cash. In cash, he was asked to remove it. Um, and 1.8 million euro of the sterling cash was recovered and seven people were arrested by Garthi. Wait, so all the money was not day. taken back? Over time, it, it did kind of, some yeah. more came back, but I, I, some of it, of course, was lost on the way. You'd lose a few 20 euro, 50 euro notes. Yeah. But it was in- astonishing. And there was a lot of, uh, there were a lot of questions about it at the time. Yeah, how could you take that much money, especially in 2009, Marine? Oh, that must have been just before any crash. No, it was just, a- it was just after. Was it just after? And someone could take out 7.6 million. But it was the main Bank of Ireland uh, yeah, branch, really. And what was amazing at the time was, and the Minister of Justice at the time uh, alluded to this, was the fact that the Bank of Ireland employees who were there and who helped um, Shane Travers take the money on behalf of yeah. the kidnappers didn't contact the guard the right after he left. So it was a bit jumbled up and yeah. there were allegations about inside jobs and things like that. But unbelievable. Imagine walking out of a place with 7.6 million euro yeah. in cash. And, you know, in Ireland, everyone knows somebody. So you can always accuse some type of inside job of happening. 7.6, I can't get over that, Tom. I didn't even know that happened. Yeah, it's it's incredible. And But I, I then prompted, you know, when you go down those uh, weird... Wikipedia rabbit holes yeah. when you start looking at robberies and then you see uh, the biggest robbery in the UK and in the US it's incredible how some of them were pulled off and it was so easy to steal upwards of it's 20 million yeah. pounds dollars whatever it was and one last thing before we go uh, to take a break on this day well not on this day on this week on February 28th 1973 there was a general election in the Republic and uh, it led to the Fine Gael Labour coalition government uh, led by Liam Cosgrave as Taoiseach we'll go for a break now for a song and uh, remember that you can get in touch with the show on Instagram at Panoramica Show and also with the same username on Twitter at Panoramica Show or you can text us at 083 433 1013.